0: War is declared.
1: Doesn't walk very good. Keep in the, the Day. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth.
0: Casablanca, city of hope and despair. Located in French Morocco in North Africa, the meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino and I'm willing to shoot you. This fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people. You knew how much I loved you.
1: How much I still love you.
0: It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we both should love the same woman. You can ask any price you want, but you must give me those letters. I tried to reason with you. Now I want those letters.
2: Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. I'm your host, Corey, and with me as always is Tanner and Nick. Hello. Hey, hey and Jesse is somewhere. Boo. Um, boo-hoo. Oh, Everyone that listens to this, wherever you are, just give Jesse a collective boo.
3: On the count of three, everybody. Boo this One, man. two, three. Boo. Boo. Thank you, listeners. We're just really building up his self-esteem
2: right now when he listens to this eventually. Yeah, um, I like think that's so. going to happen. We love you, Jesse. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, yeah, I don't even listen to these things once they're gone, which is why when people say, hey, I can't believe you said that, I'm like, I don't know what I said. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the show if this is your first time ever listening. Um, you're in for a hoot here. Um, we are just coming off a, a fun Con Air in 2020 episode, and <laughs> we're going to go classic. Mm-hmm. right we're That's we're right. going from one end of the spectrum to um popcorn cinema to um we are we are we're practically cinephiles now we're, we're going all the way back to the 40s which we've gone back further for wizard we of have. oz we but have. that doesn't we really have. count it's wizard yeah. of oz you know we're taking casablanca and we're bringing it up to 1991 So if you've uh, never, ever gone through this journey with us, well, what we do is we we take a movie and we bring it to a new year and then we recast it so it's relevant to that year. But that's the premise and that's what we're doing. And then if you are listening to us, chances are you're on Apple or Spotify or whatever. Um, Hit a like button or hit a five stars. Give a review. Just tell us you like us in whatever digital, you know, avenue they give you, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know. Um, if you love Blanca today, we may ruin it. We may make it better. Who knows? Oh, yeah. That's the journey. But before we hop into that journey, yes. we're going to do some knit and picks. Tanner, since you seem the most excited about Knitter Pick, give
3: us a knit or a pick. What did you watch this week and should we watch it? So I, I've i been watching a lot of like sci-fi movies from the last couple of years just because there's a huge, I feel like, reawakening of sci-fi. TV, well, I guess fantasy, sci-fi, with like all of the new TV shows that are coming out. I watched Chaos Walking.
4: Is that the Tom? Holland?
3: Um, no clue. It's Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's it's a very interesting. It's based off of a book, as most good things are these days. About a world that is inhabited solely by men. All the women have died out. There's this thing they call the noise. Like everyone can just hear each other's thoughts at all times. So like you have to be able to like control your noise to like hide your thoughts and to like not just shout psychically. And it's about what happens when Tom Holland's character faces the first woman that's been here in like decades and it becomes this big sci-fi like adventure thing. It's very fun. Uh, I would definitely say check it out. It's not like, it's not going to get critically acclaimed and it's not going to be in the Criterion collection, but like it is really good and it is very fun. And I think people should watch it.
2: Do you hear uh, Tom Holland's first or do you hear
3: his thought when he first sees a woman and is it sexual? You do hear his first thought when he meets a the, the woman, Daisy Ridley. It's not sexual. It's, oh, my God, a girl. I've never seen a girl. Oh, okay. yellow hair. Okay.
4: Oh, That's it's very like very Tom Holland response. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've never
2: seen a girl. I'm glad to hear that because I feel like that's the kind of guy Tom Holland is. Yeah. If he did see a woman for the first time, he would still be a class act about it. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Like if it was James Spader, it would be like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I stuck my penis in this. Thing.
1: <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> that's just that Spader. <laughs>
1: you
4: know? So yeah. I'm glad they're keeping Tom Holland pure in Chaos Walking, you
2: yeah.
1: know.
4: All right, Nick, what about you? So I watched a movie that several people have told me I should check out sometime. It's a high fantasy kind of a little romp, if you will. Uh, I think Tanner, I think you and Jesse recommended it to me, but I watched Stardust this weekend. It's so good. Yeah, what'd you think? I, I enjoyed it, you know? I mean, my my one sentence letterbox review was basically that it's cute, funny, and a little horny. Because <laughs> that pretty much puts it in a nutshell. Like it's... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Cause it's like, oh, this is just a nice, sweet, fun little adventure, you know, like you watch it with your kids, but then every once in a while there's like a boob joke or a sexual reference, and you go, that was overt. Okay. Yeah. But it has surprisingly like this like star studded cat. Like the cast the is time, incredible at the time they weren't big names, but like now it's like you've got Charlie Cox, Henry Cavill has a small role in it, Ben Barnes, but then you have like Sienna Miller, Claire Danes. Ian McKellen narrates it, and then uh, the real, the top billings are Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was pretty, it was it was fun. Ben Barnes, I forget about him. Yeah, he, Prince Caspian. He's that guy that never was. Yeah, he just, he, he picked the worst <laughs> Narnia movie to be in. Yeah,
2: so this is this is based off a of book, right? This is when Hollywood was buying up everything because Harry Potter was like, you know, just full blast by now.
4: I don't know if it's based off a of book.
2: I think, it, I think I it think is. it's a Neil Gaiman book. Okay, there you go. That makes sense. All right. I have seen this. I just remember nothing about it. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I watched nothing <laughs> new other than Casablanca this week. Okay. Um, and I even had to really s- squeeze that in. Um and that's mainly because it was like homework. I was like, well, I can't I can't do the podcast unless I watch it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Corey. <laughs> so
2: honestly, when I've had a free moment, I have been watching Full House for just Absolutely depressing and torturous re- reasons oh, so with sad. the passing of Bob Saget. It is probably one of the hardest celebrity deaths I've gone through so far. um And I, yeah, so I've been I've been watching that. I've been explaining to my wife why this upsets me because um, she has no context for this. Like even culturally, like celebrities die. Yeah, it's just not a thing for them. It's just like oh, it happens. Oh, the actor. yeah, life. Mm-hmm. and we're like well. Well, we didn't go outside and play in the late eighties, early nineties. We watched t v mm-hmm. and we were raised by <laughs> we were raised by t v dads and this is you know the way I explained it to her, I was like, i was like I feel like anyone probably between the age of thirty and forty five feels like they lost that stepdad that came into their life and was really awesome, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like losing a great stepdad, but yeah, I've been watching a lot of full house reruns, and so um. If you've never seen Full House, it's on HBO Max, by the way. Check it out. um, Right there. Jeez, HBO Max. Commercial free. Just has fucking everything. Yeah, I was actually really like, I actually came across Full House like last month on it and put on my watch list and told my wife, hey, I love this show. We're going to go through it. Now I was like, all right, now this is as good a time as any. Uh, So, yep, that's what I've been doing. Um, And then Casablanca, I watched that, which is a great segue into Casablanca, um, directed by Michael Curtiz, released technically in 1942, technically, but at the very yeah. tail end, limited release, wide release January of 1943. And that's when the Oscars considered it released because it won Best, Oscar, uh, Best Picture Oscar in 1944. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's a popular one. I think the thing about Casablanca that everyone knows is they know all the, the famous lines with absolutely no context for what they mean yeah. in the film. right my wife was like have you seen this and i'm like no i was like i know here's looking at you kid and i know maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but (laughs) sometimes like i know all that i don't really know what they're talking about i just know it's there so um and i know that because cartoons Would yeah, quote it. It's, when I was a it's kid. just another one and of
4: so, those, one of those movies that just gets replicated in cartoons and stuff now, or had been at least. So
2: I will say this, but before we go into the critic stats, the best part of watching this movie last night was it shows Ricks, whatever American Cafe. Yeah, cafe she goes,
1: Oh hey,
2: I've been there, and I'm like, <laughs> What? <laughs> she's like, She's like, This is in Morocco, and I'm like, Yes, and she's like, yeah, I've been to Morocco. That cafe, it's there. I've seen it. Yeah, this movie. Oh okay. wow. It's got all this stuff inside hmm. of it from this movie. I'm like, "Oh, okay.
4: So it's a real That's place great. apparently." Somewhere in the Caribbean, there's a Three Amigos restaurant. Are you serious? Uh, yes, my sister's. It makes no my sense. My sister has been to the it. Caribbean. Yeah. It's but it's there. She w- she was on a cruise and they they got off sh- on shore and sure enough, there was a Three Amigos themed restaurant. I'm going to go to that before I die. That's incredible. Okay. All right. For sure. fair for enough. sure.
2: Okay. All right. Well, Tanner. Hit us with some, some critic stats here. Oh, so I will. Stuff. I'll hit
3: you with them. Let's go to IMDb first. Casablanca has a 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. It has a 99 out of 100 on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 95. Wow. Metacritic, 100 out of 100 with an audience score of 8.9.
4: I mean... It's often considered like one of the top movies. It's it's on all those lists and stuff. So it's not oh, yeah. that surprising that it gets that high of a critic.
3: Yeah, the like the consensus critically um, is like that. It's just an undisputed masterpiece. It's interesting. Like just overall, critics are like it's perfect. It just gets better. It's incredible.
2: Let's let's all take a moment then. Yeah, and let's digest that. And let me ask okay. you two. Would you guys consider this a masterpiece or does this kind of feel like a lot of like you're supposed to like it,
4: you know? I don't think it's a masterpiece. Like that's that's giving it like this very like rare air kind of mentality. I think it's just it was just a good movie at the t- made at the time and it was popular. And it's mm-hmm. it's memorable. It's got memorable characters and and memorable dialogue. I just think over time it's just become well, it's Casablanca, you know, it's legendary. You know, what's it's the theme of the Warner Brothers logo every time a movie starts. Like it has to mean something. Like Yeah,
3: I mean, I think I think it is a classic. Yeah. I think yeah, sure. cuz this is my for first sure. time watching it and I go, "I get it." Like I yeah. get why people enjoy it. Like it's it's fun, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd call it a masterpiece.
2: So, I don't get it. <laughs> so, that's in Here's the thing, is and I'm not even afraid of black and white movies. I'm not afraid yeah. of old movies. Yeah. I I often go to Turner Classic Movies app and, and and I will watch an old movie. I like old things. Um I here's my thing. I don't like Humphrey Bogart. He's
3: the, he is he's the worst personally. part of the movie. He
2: is absolutely
3: the worst part of the movie.
2: I've seen Maltine Maltese Falcon I've seen African Queen I've seen quite a few of his movies and I've always gone I don't I I don't understand the Humphrey Bogart thing like I just don't
4: he's just that typical he's like he's 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 got one note to play and it's just the kind of cynical noir kind of guy
2: and that's the thing. Not only do I not like Humphrey Bogart much, I also don't like noir films, and that's just kind of yeah. his bread and butter. Mm. And so these things are just awful for me,
4: <laughs> and I'm
2: just like, and like even when you watch Maltese Falcon, I'm like everyone around Humphrey's like nailing <laughs> yeah. this, and like really fun to watch. <laughs> and and so I guess what I'm the reason I find it fascinating when Tanner says like, I'm like you're telling me that. In the last 80 something years, not one critic has like on Metacritics had like the the courage <laughs> to come out and be like, "It's not that great. I get it like in 1940 this was probably a really great movie to go watch when there was only like 20 something movies released that year, but you know maybe now it's just
3: a good movie yeah. and not a hundred percent well Metacritics say in general. For this movie specifically, they only have eighteen reviews. And it seems multiple of them are from nineteen forty two. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Like they are like aggregated throughout multiple time periods. Yeah. Yeah, So like
4: Well, it's kinda like I was telling I was telling Tanner before we started, I was like, it's kinda like when you when everybody talks about Empire Strikes Back and it's like, oh it's the greatest sci fi movie ever and then But then you go back and read the reviews and it was very polarizing with people when they first when it first came out. So it's always interesting to really hear what people thought of these movies that are now now deemed classics. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm just saying there's probably a good reason we've never remade Casablanca.
4: Well, I feel like it'd be like trying to remake like Wizard of Oz or Godfather. And it's been and people have tried and it's always been shot down. Like even Madonna tried to like get one made with Ashton Kutcher, apparently as Rick
2: <laughs> oh that would have been
4: wow oh, yeah. it would have been oh awful. wow
2: okay yeah so- i like to imagine there's like a tribunal in hollywood that <laughs> you have to bring these type of like sacrosanct movies to you yeah. have to like sacrifice a i don't know like a teen heart throb, mm-hmm. and then like they all drink the blood and they go what movie are you trying to remake you mm-hmm. madonna said casablanca with ashton kutcher and they just <laughs> get out so <laughs> well uh tanner you you said you said it you said roger Ebert. What did our what what did our what did our buddy Roger have to say about Casablanca? Well, what do you think he's got to say? Probably four stars and just saw all this crap that's not there. I don't know. He's, I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he might be he might be upset that Peter Lorre, the short, weird shaped Hobbit man, died in the first you know
3: fifteen minutes. I mean, that maybe yeah, that I was surprised him, but that that he did that, die that early. That was when whatever. I was watching it. That did surprise me.
4: I yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to say he gave it 4 stars. Like I think in 96 like he, he it's kind of like when he wrote about the shining like 10 years after the fact it's like okay, this doesn't count. This is just you writing in your blog at this point. So. Yeah.
3: So, you're right. He gave it 4 stars. He loved it. He he just kind of praises it a lot. What he says is if we identify strongly with the characters in some movies, then it is no mystery that Casablanca is one of the most popular films ever made. That sentence I don't understand because Rick is uh, an incredibly uninteresting character that I don't know who identifies with him. So I think that's an interesting sentence. Maybe
2: Roger Ebert was trying to tell us without saying it that he fell in love with the girl (laughs) in Paris.
3: (laughs) Maybe that is. I would love to know just more of his personal history. (laughs) He also says... It's about a man and a woman who are in love and who sacrifice love for a higher purpose. So I guess that's why he loves it so much. He says, it's immensely appealing. The viewer is not only able to imagine winning the love of Humphrey Bogart or Ingrid Bergman, but unselfishly renouncing it. He's definitely giving it like some propagandist, like anything for defeating the Nazis. We love this movie for defeating the Nazis. This
4: movie single-handedly
3: defeated Nazis. All right, Roger.
2: Whatever. Uh, he disappoints me. So, Nick. Yeah. Why? Why are we here? Why? Why, Corey? Why, why are we doing why? Casablanca in 1991?
4: I just wanted. I wanted to kind of go outside of our normal area of film that we seem to kind of float around. And I just kind of wanted to challenge us a bit and bring this classic movie that's outside of our usual viewing window, and it's its 80th anniversary this year. And I just think for an older movie it's it's proven to stand the test of time and still audience members find it intriguing and enjoyable and i think that it could be translatable to modern times and i just moved it to 91 because i think it could slot in there very well in the early 90s because that's when we're starting to see this surge in world war ii movies Mm -hmm. uh, like schindler's list saving private ryan the thin red line life is beautiful yeah I, I find this movie interesting because it is an anti-war film. It was one of Warner Brothers' first anti-war films, not just anti-war, excuse me, anti-Nazi film, because the stories and characters are affected directly by what's going on with the war, but it's a, not a film about war, because I'm not really into those movies. I'm not, I'm not a war movie guy at all. So many great directors have tried to make the anti-war film, but the the issue with movies is that as much as you might try to horrify and like show the realistic side of war, it's always going to be glamorized because it's Hollywood. Yeah. It has to be entertaining. It has to be exciting. The characters need to be memorable. So I, I just think trying to directly take it on is, is kind of a hard challenge to, to overcome when you're trying to make a movie
2: yeah yeah and i think it's interesting that you brought it to 1991 too because i also think the 90s was kind of the return to this type of movie yeah yeah yeah. you know is and 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 i'm not bashing the like i love 80s cinema but we didn't get a lot of these movies in the 80s because most of the 70s heavy hitters were doing new things like de niro tried to be a comedy guy you know they like you know what i'm saying
4: yeah yeah
2: and so the 90s kind of returned to this like the big drama Mm -hmm.
3: yeah especially noir you know what i mean like yeah yeah. like very much so
2: well i'm just gonna assume jesse hasn't seen the film i'm gonna answer for him we (laughs) normally ask him right about now um i'm just gonna assume jesse never sat down with like a with a glass of wine and just said i'm gonna take in (laughs) Casa Jesse's Blanca. never sat
3: down with a glass of
2: wine in his life, so.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's, he's never just poured a little Pinot Grigio and just said, I'm going to relax to some just 40s just pour, pours a
3: glass of wine, gives it a nice smell, dumps it right down the drain, <laughs> keeps his straight edge alive, keeps going. Not today, old friend. Well, hold on now. Can he be straight edge
2: and a capitalist stock trader? I'm pretty sure he now has to drink scotch. <laughs> he has to smoke cigars. Straight edge and capitalism. or are not <laughs> like
3: the hand, like, hand in hand.
2: Like <laughs> there, there's,
3: you can be, you can be both.
2: <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to topple him down so I can be the only straight edge one left. Well, we have questions about Casablanca. You guys have, um, brought some, and maybe I'll go ahead and say this. Maybe this makes uh, Casablanca a good movie. Normally we pick out faults and things we saw. Mostly you guys ask pretty good questions, actually. like So maybe this movie is better and I'm giving it credit for. The first question is, what happened to the art of war propaganda? Tanner. This sounds like a
4: Tanner <laughs> question all day.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, because because Nick brought it up. Because when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, because, you know, 42, like, in the middle of, you know, us getting into the war, it's definitely, you know, like, mm-hmm. an anti-fascist, like, propaganda film. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting watching it going, mm, I feel like a lot of our propaganda films today are kind of what Nick was talking about. You know, like, the Saving Private Ryan's and, like, these mm-hmm. very, like, Black Hawk Down, you know, like, these types of very aggressive action in-your-face movies. But like how Nick was yeah. expressing, it's a war film without being a war film. Only three levels behind a
4: romantic film. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a war film that focuses on like the ideals behind both sides versus versus like actual people fighting each other kind of yeah. thing. The whole like wartime thing
3: in the movie is really kind of only tangentially expressed. Like the fact that Strasser is there just like physically in yeah. the space is kind of that. And then like the one mm-hmm. big anti-Nazi moment is the singing.
4: Yeah. The big, the big band moment.
3: Yeah. The big band moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really fascinating that that is their Like, you know, big, the big battle scene, big battle scene. Yeah. And I was like, that's fascinating that that was how they did it. Yeah.
4: Warner brothers was like one of the first Hollywood studios to be open about opposition to the Nazi regime. And uh, it was the first to like prohibit its film from being distributed in Nazi-occupied territories. That's dope. And kind of extending the conversation we had past that, like this movie is highly influenced by the war because so many uh, large numbers of European exiles fleeing the war were Mm -hmm. casted in this. Like there are thirty-four different countries represented in this cast alone. Yeah. Um, The only three members that the credited cast that were born in the U.S. are Humphrey Bogart. Dooley Wilson who plays uh Sam and then Joy Page who plays the troubled young Bulgarian bride Anina. Mm.
2: So uh let me ask you this. Would y'all count Inglorious Bastards as a war movie that's not focused on the battle? Uh, I think that it's violent. Yeah. But we don't see battle. We don't right. see like
4: It's more men, two lines of men running at each other. Right. I would I wouldn't call it a war movie. I would call it like a revenge story. Right. Because like the whole I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but,
3: like, the whole idea is we are a part of, you know, the military or whatever, and we are collecting a group of essentially, like, Nazi hunters, right? Yeah. Like, that's still very wartime.
2: Well the first movie that you that I thought of I cuz I I didn't really think about it that much like uh the that this is a war movie that kind of takes place outside yeah. of it you know and and that is an interesting the when you first said that though I immediately thought uh I, I don't know if either you've ever seen this but Guillermo del Toro's uh Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. yeah is, yeah it's a war movie but it's also a monster movie that's it's it's about the Spanish Civil War and so but it's got this weird anti-war message through all this other, mm-hmm. you know, fantasy yeah. element. So that is that is interesting. But to answer your question, um, war propaganda is still going hard. Tanner, Captain America lifted Mjolnir in Endgame. That's <laughs> if you punch Hitler in the face, it makes you worthy to pick up Thor's hammer. So um, that's, I'm not that's saying the, the propaganda message. isn't out there,
3: but this is very like in your face, but also super subtle. And I like that is not yeah. the type of like propaganda film yeah. that you see nowadays. And I thought that was interesting.
2: All right. Um, what the ruddy F, um, I have no idea which one of you had a stroke. Um, does here's looking at you kid even mean, why is it such a quoted line?
3: It's like the worst line in the goddamn film. It means fucking nothing. There's no, like, there's nothing behind it. He just, like, stares at her. And because this guy knows nothing other than how to be, like, a nihilist, he's like, I got nothing else to say. I'm looking at you, kid. <laughs> okay, he's so just telling her what he's I w- doing. I w- he's not even, it means nothing. <laughs> I will admit that.
2: I went into the movie thinking there's going to be a backstory to that line. This <laughs> so, um, yeah, epic. I thought there's going to be a reason he calls her kid. And here's looking at you. It's going to be, it's going to have like this moment where maybe he first, and it's like, no, he just kind of randomly says this yeah. crap throughout the movie.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a term of endearment. Like he's this, he's says bitter kind of like stoic kind of figure. And so it's, it's the only way for him to say, like I love you or like any type of affection is like, y- you're all right. You're all right. You're all right, kid. Yeah. I mean, I it's get how the, I kind of view it.
3: I get the the context of the title nickname kid, but like, but the whole expression to me was like, just odd and like didn't make total yeah. sense.
2: It fell flat for me too, Tanner. I'll, 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 I, was, I was wanting more. I, th- I thought there was gonna be a bigger thing. So, okay. All right. Uh who did Ilsa really love, Rick or Victor?
4: I think it's just a, a the general question to ask in the movie because she's she's very much like a femme fatale of sorts cuz it's like yeah. sh- sh- she's mysterious with Rick, she won't reveal her past to him and then he, she disappears and he's just like left like broken because of it and she comes back and he's just like give me some answers, I want answers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she's like I love you I, I've always loved you but I also love my husband but I really need those those papers so I can get out of here with him right. her motive is always kind of in question so it's always a question of does she really love Rick or does she love Victor
2: yeah It it, it is stated in the movie correct that when she meets Rick she really does believe Laszlo's dead yes yeah yes. okay so hundred percent so my question to you then is at the end of Castaway, do you think Tom Hanks's wife should divorce her dentist husband and go back to Tom Hanks?
4: Right. Right. Good point. Good point. She's
2: she's theoretically in love with both. Right.
3: But it's like yeah, you can't you can be in love with both. Yeah, of them. you know, and like it's just a hard yeah. place to you be. You know, she's never really in the wrong.
2: Right. You know, it's not like the Johnny Cash, June Carter situation where you're like, they're in love and they cheated on their spouses. But it's love. Yeah. Because at first I thought they were setting up that noir trope of like the woman who walks into the detective that she used to date's office and said, my husband's dead. But then at the end, you find out she just lied to get the dude. To hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I thought they were setting up that noir trope. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh, no, she's not in the wrong at all. She thought her husband was dead. OK. Yeah. So I think I think the answer is just both.
3: Yeah. And I I think that's an interesting thing that like, especially in the 40s, it's such an interesting thing to have touched on that is like a very and I think that's why I found this movie interesting is because there's a lot of things that you touch that they touch on. That's like, we still don't even talk about that shit now
4: that you kind of hold a candle for some people.
3: Yeah. Like you can because like you you're put in a situation where, like you said, husband is dead. And then isn't. And then, like, the other interesting part about it is that no one hates... Well, I mean, Rick kind of hates her for it, but then, like, yeah. Yeah. comes back yeah. around. But, like, Laszlo is just like, I get it. I-, I get it. You were lonely, and, like, that happens, and we never have to talk about it. And, like, I'm totally understanding. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, this is the <laughs> 40s, and this shit is just, like, everyone's, like, fucking cool?
2: It It makes me wonder... That you know, you're talking about. I mean, we've our generation's never had a world war, um, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, we weren't even alive for Vietnam or anything like that. But it makes you wonder, I wonder how common it was for a spouse to get notified, hey, your husband's dead. I'm sure very, really. The military's like, we just think they're dead, <laughs> like, no one's seen them, and then they finally get home, yeah. And it's like wives moved home, like on, you yeah. know. Like I wonder if that's actually part of it. Like that was a common thing, right? Like or like not common, common, but like at least semi enough to go. This happens,
4: or even just know? the idea that it's like she they never got a letter saying they're dead, but they just the letter stopped coming, and spend two to three years, yeah. and they're just like, yeah, okay,
2: yeah, for sure. Like so, I, I'm sure that's part mm-hmm. of it to a degree too. Yeah. Um, all right. Were we robbed of the better sequel being a road movie with Rick and Captain Renault? I would watch. I would, I would watch totally it. watch it.
3: I watch the shit out of that.
2: <laughs> and 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 I would be okay with it being actually Humphrey Bogart in this dude that like was really charismatic, like just being on. Be like, yes, this is great. Yeah, they should have made that happen. Okay, and I thought I liked this question a lot. Um, what was it about Rick that made this type of character stick around forever? it culturally instead of characters like Laszlo. I like that question a lot because Laszlo's the better guy, yeah. but we remember Humphrey Bogart. Right. You know, so
4: well, he, I mean, yeah, Humphrey Bogart's character and, and those that even may have preceded him, like they kind of are just this archetype of a leading man that you even see to this day, mm-hmm. the hard boiled, the rough around the edges. I think that it speaks to just like the ideal man in our society a little bit and just in america you know Mm -hmm. and i think laszlo while he's he's very much like a someone to admire and look up to as a as a figure and as a character he's risking his life to like make a difference on on a bigger battlefield you know whereas rick's very like independent isolationist, like i don't care anymore i'm doing what's best for me it's that man is an island lone wolf kind of mentality i think right Maybe people latch on yeah. to.
3: Yeah. I, I just think it was interesting to watch and go, oh, this, this like toxic isolationist testosterone male is so prevalent. The thing, you know, like you're talking about, Laszlo, oh, this guy is so like understanding and caring and fighting for all these good things. And culturally, we see time and time again that like movies and, you know, characters and even just like men are, you know, pushed more and more to act like Rick's. That's a fascinating thing that, like, we have these incredibly, like, open, interesting, like, healthy characters all the way back to the 40s. And, like, we've still not fallen into them.
2: Yeah. And I I think I I really kind of like that, that, uh question when i read it this afternoon it kind of just stuck with me and things like that and i i think it's interesting uh to even think about that like even when you look at like the 80s when you had a guy like john hughes mm-hmm. come in and write movies where maybe the girl didn't always choose right you know like he kind of like said here's a realistic thing the, the 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 person that loves the girl more may not get the girl yeah. in the end and I, you kind of wonder if like, did John Hughes grow up watching Casablanca and go, eh, no, nope, it's all about Rick. <laughs> it's not about the Victor Laszlo's of the right. world. You know, so he's like I'm gonna pretty in pink and Ducky is not going to get the girl. Yeah, <laughs> you know? she's going to she's going to choose the rich guy at the end. That's really like kind of boring and probably just whatever. So it, it is interesting when you go, man, yeah, Rick stuck with us. And Laszlo, this is the first time I've ever heard of him when I finally sat down and watched this movie. Right. All right, those are the questions we've had about uh, Casablanca. Nick, you have any interesting factoids or junk drawer trivia about Casablanca?
4: Yeah, I got something. So, so I, I, I took a, I took a note from you guys, and we're gonna change it up and we're gonna play a little game. You guys, oh. if you're, if you're ready. All right, I'm, I'm getting in the mood for it. Hell yeah! So it's a simple, it's a simple game. It's just, it's just guess the movie. But the thing is, is that we're going to talk about is the pop culture influence of this movie. So, as we know, as we kind of talked about on the top of the episode, yeah, of this movie, as we talked about how movie, other movies, cartoons, kids shows, and stuff always are referencing this movie. Like, so I'm going to read you kind of a situation or the actual scene, and I want you to try to guess what movie it is. Okay, so we'll just we'll start with an easy one. Okay, this is the easy one. So this movie, okay. it got its title from the famous line, Round Up, The Usual Suspects. What movie could it be?
3: U- usual Suspects.
4: There you go. Yeah. So the Brett Ratner, late 90s uh, Usual Suspects got its name from from that line. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You ready? Uh, in, in, this, in this action franchise, this particular movie in it, uh, the lead actor's one-liner, after some, throwing somebody through a window... Onto a piano, they say, play it again, Sam. What movie is that? Through a window on into a piano, and he says, play it again, Sam. I'll give you a hint. Try it with a British accent.
2: I feel like, I feel like if I'm going to get one, this should be it. <laughs>
4: you should get it, Corey.
2: <laughs> I, is it
3: a Guy Ritchie film?
4: No, it's older. I think it's 80s.
3: Oh, no. 80s, Corey. Oh, no. Give us another clue. Yeah, Give us more, another hint. We need more hints.
4: They might be wearing a tuxedo.
2: So, is this is James Bond? I wouldn't know.
4: Oh, Corey. Oh, Corey. It's Moonraker, Corey. Oh, no. <laughs> That's great. I've never seen Moonraker. I was,
3: I was out from the start.
4: <laughs> so, in this rom-com, uh, the two leads watch Casablanca while on the phone and discuss it. And early in the movie, while they're driving, they argue over which one uh ilsa really loved rick or victor very popular rom-com uh can we get a decade late 80s is, okay
2: is it sleepless in seattle
4: you got half of it half of the team
3: i say tom hanks
2: or, or is it meg ryan
3: or is it meg ryan
2: oh 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 is is it is it the fake orgasm movie oh well,
3: when harry oh. met sally
2: oh okay i
3: yeah when i said i, it. I got i that. said it Tanner stole no, that i no, said no, it no tanner <laughs> stole that <laughs>
4: All right, we'll, we'll do no, it. No, we'll you we'll were keep still going. stumbling. We'll you
3: didn't have your hands on the ball. You didn't have possession. That was me. <laughs> Ten thousand people walked into Blockbuster
2: in the late '80s and said, "Do you have that mm, fake orgasm movie?" You know, and and they, and the guy said, "Oh, when Harry Met Sally." Right. No, and I had and the guy it. who that, said, counts. "When Harry Met
4: Sally." Well, we got, we got more. We got more. Don't worry. Don't worry. In this, in this '90s sci-fi comedy, one of the leads. Uh, describes an alien gathering as the same thing as in Casablanca, only with no Nazis. Sci-fi comedy of the late 90s. Men in Black. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I was about to say. Kay describes it, yeah, as as being like Casablanca, only with no Nazis. Nice. All right, this one might be a little, yes. this one might be harder. Oh, okay. <laughs> this In this movie, when the lead goes to see his ex-wife, her current husband sees them when he walks in. And so they try to pass it off as the two just happen to run into each other. And he says the line, of all the gin joints, early 2000s, um, we have casted it.
3: Oh, we've casted it? Yes. Early 2000s. Amityville Horror. Um, <laughs> what?
4: Uh, um, uh, that, that stupid movie about time travel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dang it. You, gotta, I need, I need, you guys aren't gambling hard enough. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. You guys aren't... Gambling hard enough,
3: Casino Royale. I am Um, stealing
4: this from you guys. It's so easy. Ocean's Eleven. There you go. There it is. Oh man! It's when Danny goes to see Tess, and then Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, I kind of remember it now.
4: We'll we'll speed through these last few. We're going to go into the family kids kids section maybe. So in this one, at the end of uh, the movie, the main characters go to say goodbye to the kind of love interest slash lead actress. And they're all giving this dignified and quick goodbyes. But one of them dons a hat and opts to imitate Rick Blaine at the end and do the whole, that's two peanut on the side of the hill thing and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the girl finds it amusing. His brother does not find it amusing.
3: Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg. Um, Four
4: Brothers. But not the
3: movie Four Brothers.
4: <laughs> not the movie Four Brothers. Uh, early 90s, a sequel and they're saying goodbye to a girl a girl they might be of the teenage age four of them
2: and it's not mighty ducks too
4: <laughs> they may not be human her name is april oh
2: teenage mutant ninja turtles
4: oh, but which yeah, one yeah
2: ninja turtles okay
4: <laughs> which one though
2: michelangelo michelangelo duh no it's raf no
4: no which which ninja turtles
2: has to be.
3: it's the first one. Breath. Oh, S- secret of the,
4: ooze. the secret of the ooze yes Oh come on!
2: And you're thinking that Raph made the joke and pop <laughs> culture reference? It's obviously Michael, Michael Angelo. H.
4: Yeah, Donatello told him to sh- to shut up. All right, last one. Right. Last one, just because it's because it's wild. So apparently, in the first episode of this show, the main character brings the porn film *Asa Blanca* to a stag party. Unfortunately, the sexy stuff has been taped over for his kids' history class.
3: Oh, um, uh.
2: Ah oh, fuck. <laughs> is it animated?
4: It's animated. Yes.
2: It's it's the, it's Family Guy. Family
4: Guy. There it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I was like that sounds so yeah I, the first I just know the first episode of Family Guy has to do with a stag party <laughs> and I just remember them calling it a stag party. Yes.
4: <laughs> so that's just showing the many different ways that this movie has bled into pop culture and so. Very fun.
2: All right. Well then, guys, it's time to um Hop in our time machine and go all the way back to 1991. Do it. We were all alive. No. No, we and weren't. Now we get to go experience it as adult. Wait, you weren't, you weren't no, alive was in 1991? I in 92. Oh, my gosh. You were so young. <laughs> okay, Nick and I were alive being awesome in
1: 1991.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you were still just a uh, sparkle Thank in you. your dad's eye. The prettiest I've ever been.
1: 1991. <laughs> Hasta la vista,
0: baby. He ate his liver with some father pee. We all gas. Have to fight,
1: have to fight, you grow. Okay, he's back. You have arrived.
2: So let's go to the old box office here. Alright, let's just let's let's put on our like green transparent accounting hats and um Go through the top 10 of 1991 okay. in-year releases. Number 10. This is easily the most shocking. The Naked Gun, Two and <laughs> a Half. The Smell of Fear. That is was wild. I was unaware those movies were oh, popular. Yeah. <laughs> I love Leslie Nielsen, but I just thought, okay, these are fun movies for some people. Hey, but okay, yeah. no, it, is, it was a top 10 at <laughs> the box office in 91. Number nine, one of my personal favorites, father of the bride nice nice uh number eight sleeping with the enemy okay, okay. number seven the Adams family class uh, number six hold on to your butts <gasps> hook hook coming in at number six wow I'm surprised it that'm I'm, I'm shocked it's that low it just makes me hate everything above it um all right number five I have never seen this but um, city slickers. Apparently, I need oh, to see it. Yeah, oh, no. It's it fun. Billy it's a fun Crystal one. It's still classic. Number four, The Silence of the Lambs. Sure.
4: Okay. Number okay.
2: three, Disney, of course, making an appearance, Beauty and the Beast.
4: Okay. Okay. That's number three okay. at
2: the box office in 91. Number two, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh. Coming in at number two. And then number one, the sequel, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Hell yeah. Number nice. one at the box office. Let's go um, put tuxedos, everyone. Tuxedos. Um, oh, do we wear cummerbunds uh, okay. or no? It's just whatever you want. Well, it's the 90s. Yes. Okay. Put on a cummerbund. Uh, City Slickers' Bill Crystal's hosting the Oscars uh, right. in 1993. Oh, nice. Or 1992, I mean, um, honoring movies of 1991. So let's start with actress in a supporting role. That went to Mercedes Rule, the Fisher King. Mm actor in a supporting role jack palance city slickers kid apparently oh that's right this. okay yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. okay
4: palance.
2: now hold on nick you've seen
4: this a long time ago yeah
2: was that a was that a pity Oscar? Like, hey, you're going to die? That might
4: have been soon. a little bit of a legacy, but he does a really good job in the role. It's like, okay, okay this was okay. a pretty memorable role.
2: No, I love Jack Palance. I just, City Slicker seems like, of all the movies Jack Palance has done, maybe that's not the one he won an Oscar for, but okay. All right. Actress in a leading role went to Jodie Foster for The Silence of the Lambs. Naturally. Actor in a leading role... Anthony Hopkins, The Silence of the Lambs, which I think his screen time is like (laughs) 10 minutes and he got an Oscar. Um, So um, awesome. And then Best Picture, the nominees were The Prince of Tides, JFK, Bugsy, uh, and then a groundbreaking Beauty and the Beast. And this would lead to a Best Animated Film uh, Oscar in the Future. And the winner was, of course, The Silence of the Lambs. So obviously, was, was a, it was a huge win for the horror movie community. And then Hollywood said, "Nope, nope, not a horror film. No nope. psychological thriller. thriller. We made that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah." So, would you guys like to know what they doubled down on I in 1991? Would. I would what? like to know.
4: Two what, scoops, please.
2: What movies they felt needed. Two or more. First of all, there were um, two movies uh, about ruthless upper class white men who are forced to live in urban slums. Uh, There was The Super, which I know has Joe Pesci in it. I believe I've seen that one um, before. And then Mel Brooks in Life Stinks. Wow. Okay. There's two films of young. Irish women in small rural communities who decide to have children out of wedlock.
4: Scandalous. Um,
2: in December Bride and The Playboys. I just like that it's both Ooh. Irish. Like, <laughs>
4: okay. okay. Like
2: only Irish women are like, you know what? Screw marriage. I want a kid. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, and then the most notable double di- double dip of 1991 was there were two Robin Hood movies. Um and one of them was far more successful than the other um being the number
4: Men in Tights. I
2: know uh, it's just Robin Hood Robin Hood Prince of thebes Um Robin Hood oh. nobody watched it um don't even Oh,
4: I thought it was I thought this was Men in Tights time. No,
2: Men in Tights would be a year later parodying Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay, um, okay, maybe, okay, okay. Uh, okay. A, a year or two later. Um so Yep. That's what they doubled down on. And then guys, 1992. What are what are just some movies not mentioned that you're just in love with?
4: So, uh I'm sad to see that uh Fightful Goes West and American Tale did uh, not make the top 10. Uh, the last ro- the last role actually of uh Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, it's Jim Stewart's last uh role in a movie uh, okay. as oh. the as the sheriff, the dog sheriff.
3: Dog. That's what he was. Yeah. Uh, what about
4: Bob? The Bill Murray movie with Richard Dreyfus? That's a that's a good one. If you haven't seen it, it's a it's a fun comedy. There's other ones that i hopefully you guys will bring up, but the one I want to mention is this movie that I just. It's the perfect Sunday afternoon stumble upon it on cable movie. Harley Davidson and the marble Man. Have you seen this, Corey?
3: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> I mean, I have seen it, but I don't know that I've. I don't know that it's possible to just stumble across it like. I think you're just uncle had to show this
4: to you. It's 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 Mickey Rourke and John Don Johnson. And both of them are one of them's dressed up like Harley. His name's calls himself. His name's Harley Davidson. Sting. And the other one goes by Marble, man. And he dresses like and it's an action movie. Like there's these dudes in these like bulletproof full, uh, jackets, like full body jackets, like that are coming after them with machine guns and stuff. It's it's a wild movie.
3: Uh, it's got Daniel Baldwin, Vanessa Williams. Yeah, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, it's,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, crazy. Trash
3: classic. Yeah. Trash.
2: I can't believe you just stumbled across this. Like,
4: I almost thought it was a dream, and I found it later on. I was like, oh, this is real. Okay.
2: Yeah, I just assumed you had to have a dad or an uncle that just happened to come across it and just said, hey, sit down and watch this. This is great. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was my
1: experience. <laughs>
3: <It's> like, <laughs> I wish I had one as crazy as that. Is now, like, where I sit. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously, as we discussed, uh, Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze um, was 91, Uh, My Own Private Idaho, My Girl, and Boys in the Hood, and The Last Boy Scout. Mm -hmm okay well you knocked
2: uh you knocked boys in the hood secret of the ooze and um yeah my own private Idaho. that's a great movie mm-hmm. i don't like the last boy scout i think it has a <sighs> third act wow this was the year soap dish came out which is just a great comedy with kevin klein and robert downey jr and sally field that just makes fun of daytime television nice drop dead fred if you've never seen it is incredible uh-huh. um it's just it's kind of a an adult comedy almost about a. Uh, 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 a grown woman whose uh, imaginary friend comes back uh, to her as an adult and just starts wrecking her life. And it's great. Sick. New Jack City. Uh, Wesley Snipes and Judd Nelson. Um, nice. Great movie. P- the People Under the Stairs. It's an underrated horror film. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is just amazing. Um, and then my final two, um, Toy Soldiers, which is like Die Hard in a Prep School. Um and it's amazing and one day will be casted on this show, um, despite No. no one having seen it but me. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna try and raise the bar on uh Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Okay. The only other movie that I believe Dan Aykroyd ever uh wrote and directed. I don't know if he even directed any other ones besides this. It's called Nothing But Trouble. It's got Demi Moore, Chevy Chase, and Dan Aykroyd playing multiple roles, and it is bonkers. Digital Underground does a song in it, you know, Tupac and everything. Oh. And it's just what? about Chevy Chase getting pulled over. John Candy's the cop. And it's like they get taken to just this family that murders people. And it's but it's a comedy and it's nice. nuts. So This looks insane. It is absolutely insane. Shout Factory just released it on Blu-ray and I bought it immediately. <laughs> nice. So nice. And by the way, they get murdered by way of a roller coaster that ends in um just a machine that shreds them up so it's incredible okay all right you guys ready to do this then yes well okay i never remember this how it changes it's well it's a period piece so i guess does it
1: change
4: yeah other than general advancement in typical cinema technology i think it's it's shot in the in the the 90s kind of dramatic way but Mm -hmm. yeah i think the everything within it generally stays the same for the most part.
2: Do they do it in black and white or color?
4: I think you do it in, in color. 91
2: I think they would do it color. You don't think they try to be pretentious
4: about it? Schindler's List has that has that on lock, so it's fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah, okay, that's fair.
3: Well, I guess like at the time the like, you know, Humphrey Bogart is super A-list at the time, so I'm trying to think of like what type of A-list, you know, late 80s early 90s you'd get? Are you going to get like more actiony are you going to get more like bar brawls in the actual like inside ricks or is it going to be more yeah
4: i think it'll it'll be required to kind of yeah to to sex it up a little bit as they say just to kind of i think that's also what i
3: it's gonna get sexier
2: i would argue that i think the 1991 would be less progressive in its casting oh yeah what Casablanca actually was in the 40s by using a lot of european actors i actually think 1991 it'll be like a hollywood a-list fest yeah yeah you know which is weird that you're thinking 50 years removed this one will be less yeah. progressive and then i think in 1991 it's just like let's get butts mm-hmm. in seats yeah. so
1: mm-hmm.
2: oh okay well then before we recast Casablanca in 1991, we have to go through the rules again. If this is your first journey in the time machine with us, what we're doing is we're taking Casablanca out of 42, 43, and we're bringing it to 1991. And so we have to give it a 1991 cast. Nick has chosen this film. And so That's right. Tanner and I will be doing the casting. We're going Tanner and I have prepared mm-hmm. our own cast list. We don't know what each other chose um, and we're going to sell our picks to Nick and Nick will choose his favorite Tanner. I and I are bound by rules though. Uh, rule number one is anyone we choose to cast in a 1991 Casablanca must be alive in 1991. Rule number two is they cannot be incarcerated or, you know, Prisoner of War, anything like that. They cannot be um, just incarcerated in any way. They have to be free and available to act. Um, Rule number three is they have to be active, um, which we define that as they have to have at least one acting credit in 1991 or prior to. And then rule number four, this is where the stakes really come in. Anyone that Tanner and I present will lose all major acting credits. They have in 1991 and as you just heard there's a lot of sacred ground in 1991 that we're playing around um you know in but sometimes we kill darlings on here for the sake of a better movie um that's just the power that comes with owning a time machine um and so but we only count that as film we don't count tv tv movies voice work anything like that they will just lose major film credits nick our director has He has power ups. That's right. He's like, he's like Mario in the mushrooms in the stars. So, um, Nick, you can at any point retroactively switch any two, uh, actors that have been casted in their roles. Mm -hmm. If you just feel like later, um, you just want to do the old switcheroo. And then your big power up is if you think Tanner and I have just absolutely failed a character and failed this film. Like, I feel like the fail, the film failed me (laughs) personally. (laughs) (laughs) you you know here's looking at you kid um you can absolutely say boo to your choices i'm putting my own in you are still bound by the rules we're playing in but you can choose your own person for any role um but only once and while we're in that cannot retroactively do it got it and so with all that being said nicholas i'm turning the reins over to you you're now in the director seat
4: all right. Well, let's get started. Let's just jump in. So I'm going to start at the bottom. So I'm going to start with Ugarte. You despise me, don't you?
0: Now well, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. You object to the kind of business I do, huh? You know what this is? Something that even you have never seen. <laughs> Letters of transit signed by General Vigón cannot be rescinded, not even questioned.
4: Will you keep these for me, please? Uh, Ugarte played by Peter Lorre. Uh, He is a member of Casablanca's criminal underworld. Uh, He murders the German couriers to obtain the valuable letters of transit, which he plans to sell to Laszlo for a considerable fee, but he's arrested before he can complete the sale. So this character is basically there to kind of show how dangerous the world of Casablanca really is and how easily it is to get kind of screwed over or get caught. And it's played by Peter Lorre. Uh, Generally, he's originally kind of grew up in the Vienna, Austria area uh, and made his big break as a psychopathic child killer in the Fritz Lang German film M in 1931. Then he went on to make movies such as the Maltese Falcon, Arsenic and Old Lace, Casablanca. He's one of those Hollywood character types that you've seen imitated in cartoons and stuff. So, oh, man, (laughs) Corey, you're going to go first. Yes. Good.
2: That's that's fair. And I'll, I'll say this. I was with Tanner. I was really disappointed when Peter Lurie was not in the whole movie. I was like, that was like my main drive for this. I was like, I love Peter Lurie. Let's get down. And then he's arrested in 10 minutes. Right, yeah.
4: This is borderline like cameo almost. Oh,
2: this cast is going to be fun. Oh, Um, Oh, God. (laughs) So... I, I, I believe in this pick. I do, but I know that the gut reaction might not be great. Okay. All they have this year is a TV, a TV movie and they're doing a lot of TV and he's doing a character that he will be most famous for. It'll be the eulogy. It'll be, you know, but he's just now starting it. So he's not mm. pegged as this, mm-hmm. you know, he's just now in it. I'm bringing you Rowan. I Atkinson, knew you were going to bring him best known to people. <laughs> As Mister Bean, uh, okay. First of all, Rowan Atkinson has oh, yeah serious chops. He could play a scummy lowlife in Morocco, and I don't think in '91 people will automatically go, oh Mister Bean, unless you live in London and you just got Channel Four and you're watching it like just yeah as a new thing. Mm-hmm. So
4: okay, interesting, very very. Ed- I I see I see where you're going with it. I I can get I get the comparison there with Peter Laurie, uh, so yeah I I can I'm 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 feeling what you're throwing down. So Tanner, what do you got?
3: Okay, <laughs> I brought someone who you know, like we said, he's scummy, he's underworld, and this guy I'm bringing in hasn't exactly played that at this point, <laughs> but I think that'll make make it all the more interesting. For the audience will play much better when he does it well. I'm bringing you Pete
4: Davidson. Now you're just now you're <laughs> trying to just just hold it you on to that for a whole, whole, week. Week. I'll whole never,
3: week. I'll never let that one go. Um, no, <laughs> my actual pick is um, John Waters. John Waters. Oh, John Waters. Whoa. Recognized like director. Um, he did Crybaby, right? He's a director, writer of Cryberry, Crybaby.
2: Yeah, he's a director.
3: He's a, the Miss Divine movie. Yeah, Pink Flamingos, oh, you know, spray All those things. He's not doing anything this year. Free agent. But he just, like, with a pencil mustache, with this, like, John Waters energy, He he's very unique, very specific, and odd. Just weird. I don't even know if you need to give him a script. I think you just, like, walk him onto set, Start rolling and go, hey, here's these pa- here's these papers. Go make that guy take these papers. And then like John Waters does John Waters shit. And and it's that. That's so weird. I don't hate it. though. I don't
4: hate it's, it either. It's weird. Yeah. But I don't hate it's, it. it. It's weird in a good way because because Peter Lorre, he he he's weird. I mean, like, yeah, he was cast yeah. as a, as a psycho early on in this and he's always plays he's that, like Renfield he always yeah he's he's literally Renfield like that's literally what he was born to be
2: can can I bring up a very interesting factoid okay that because Tanner said John Waters um, I'm a huge fan of the Johnny Depp late 80s TV show um, 21 Jump Street mm-hmm. yeah um, John Waters was in an episode and it would have been around this time because that's a yeah. late 80s early 90s show yeah and he played a character named mr bean whoa so we've technically both mr. brought bean. you mr oh. beans <laughs> so i'm just saying that's incredible and we can that's never really that again no matter how never hard again we
4: try, so. never again not even once that's insane actually i think that ron atkinson has the chops but i do have concerns that he's going to be kind of viewed as more comedic even in and i feel like you do need somebody that's a little mysterious and a little untrustworthy because i feel like he, it's going to be really hard not to ask him to like do a pratfall in the scene
2: <laughs> i'll give you this he's not mr bean yet but he he, he in the uk he's very much a comedian yeah. actor mm-hmm.
4: i think if you had like slotted him somewhere like with the captain it, it's more in line with who he is at the time mm-hmm. but it's not Asking him to be something that's a little too far away from what he normally is. So yeah, yeah. I think we're going to go with John Waters. So write it down.
1: I don't
2: hate it. Yeah,
4: I don't. I I'm I'm into it. I'm definitely into it. I mean, I think I did better, but I'm not. I'm not mad that
2: Tanner. Tanner didn't bring someone stupid.
3: It was it was him or David Lynch were my two options.
2: Well, thank you for going with John Waters. Thank
4: you for going with John Waters. (laughs) All right, moving on. Mm. Next up, we're gonna we're gonna tackle some of the some of the other seedy characters of Casablanca, uh, with Signora Ferrari.
0: Hello, Rick. Hello, Ferrari. How's business at the Blue Parrot? Fine, but I'd like to buy your cafe. It's not for sale. <sighs> Haven't heard my offer. It's not for sale at any price. What do you want for Sam? I don't buy or sell human beings. It's too bad that's Casablanca's leading commodity. Refugees alone, we can make a fortune. You'd work with me through the black market.
1: Yeah. Senior
4: Ferrari is the owner of the Blue Parrot, uh, played by Sidney Greenstreet. Uh, Ferrari offers to buy Rick's Cafe in the services of pianist Sam, but Rick initially refuses. But when he decides to leave Casablanca, he does sell it out to Ferrari. Um, although he's mostly concerned with making money, he proves to be a decent person when he suggests that Laszlo approach Rick about the letters of transit. Sidney Greenstreet was a British actor. Uh, He didn't begin his acting career until 61 and had a run of uh, movies Mm. with uh, Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre, including The Maltese Falcon and Casablanca. Tanner, you made it. So who do you have for Signor Ferrari?
3: Okay, for Signor Ferrari. I brought a guy who isn't, like, at this point, I don't think we fully recognize him. Like, I think we would recognize him later mm-hmm. in the 90s. The thing I like about Signor Ferrari is, like, he's a fun guy. You know, like, he, he makes jokes, he's very, like, jovial, and, like, he's not a villainous. He's just a fun guy who just happens to be a part of the black market. I thought this guy has this fun energy, but you can also see him as a business owner, a little older, having these moments with our Rick that's like, oh, look at the younger kid, like, just sell it to me, why don't you? <laughs> I'm bringing you Eric Avari. You'd know him from The Mummy. He's the museum curator, or the library curator.
4: Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also Mr. Deeds.
3: He's just doing a lot of TV. He's in like Star Trek, okay, okay. Uh, Murphy Brown, L.A. Law. He's just doing a lot of TV stuff. He hasn't really, like, hit.
4: Does he still have the gray beard? I need the gray I mean, beard. Could, yeah, you could salt beard. And his beard. Hopefully, he still has yeah. it. Yeah, you 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 get him in the same outfit as uh, as the original actor, and he probably would come off a little more on like the intellectualism side of things. But he still has he could still have that very carefree yeah. fun side to him that you so. see in movies like The Mummy, but especially like in Mister Deeds and stuff.
3: And we already know what he looks like in effects. So so yeah, I see it. I see it. Okay, Corey i went a different route (laughs) okay okay
2: listen i stuck with the 90s mentality that we're mostly just putting americans in this movie and telling them to have accents um so the name kind of came up and i happened to notice that this is just a really bad year for this individual Mm. it's 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 the it's the bad year in a great run okay they're 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 coming off of, like from the late eighties into the mid nineties, just on this, this this great run of films. And then they it's 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 when you win an Oscar, you you've already signed on and filmed the next movie, and it's mm-hmm. embarrassing because you're like, I just won an Oscar, but I made this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he just won uh, an Oscar for Goodfellas. I'm bringing you Joe Pesci. This would be between Goodfellas and my cousin Vinny. I think he can I think he can pull off a Fez. I think he
3: I would love to see him in a Fez.
2: I think he could be a black market arms dealer in in World War Two. Uh
3: oh my God. in Morocco. Okay. But okay. also
2: just kind of be a lovable guy that owns the bar over that just wants yours. You know? He's he's Yeah. You know, he can be the mild antagonist, mm-hmm. I think, Joe Pesci. In the he's coming off Betsy's Wedding, Home Alone, and Goodfellas. The dude's on fire, yeah. and then you know, then he makes the super, you know, in '91, and he has a very tiny role in JFK. And then it's my cousin Vinny and Lethal Weapon 3, all the way up, you know, to Casino. And it's come on,
3: let's fix it, Nick. Let's, oh my god, it's an
4: interesting, it's an interesting play, Corey. it fun. definitely is because. We've seen him in a very violent, very over the top uh, Goodfellas and and to the same degree in a different way in Home Alone. Mm -hmm. But you could easily. Yeah, I mean, Casablanca, that's kind of the benefit of this movie is like we've talked about is that it's kind of it's kind of like a tattooing. It's like all these people have come to kind of hide out. You can play like with Eric Avari more traditionally like we did, or you can say, let's twist this and make it like, oh, he's another American that's come over. It's too much fun to say no to, so I'm I'm gonna go with Joe Pesci. Wow! Right? Whoa, whoa, yes. Wow! 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 It, it is very it's fun. Too though. much. Fun. It is. It is a lot. It's of fun. very fun. So yeah, we do a little rewrite. We say he's from Brooklyn or something, and then <laughs> and we and we're good with it. So yeah,
3: I just love that like, and he wears one the fez because he's
4: in a new country and he's trying out the culture. So I just yeah, love yeah, that with
3: in 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 doing that, hmm. it's like we've got a guy from Brooklyn who owns a cafe in you know, in Morocco, and then a guy from yeah. New York, you know, that, like, yeah. a different guy yeah. from New York who owns a separate bar in Morocco.
2: I'm just saying, the the reason I'm able to pull the drew with Joe Pesci is because he did just win an Oscar. He did just prove to us he, he, he has got an it. incredible, like, range, you know, yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And, mm-hmm.
4: It'll be a chance to pull back and keep him from being pigeonholed as the angry gangster guy, which, which kind yeah. of happened. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. So yeah.
4: All right. Okay. Cool. Move, love it. Moving on. Moving on. Next, let's do. Let's do Sam.
0: Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. He goes up there all the time. You used to be a much better liar, Sam. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam. For all times' sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa
4: so sam is a warm-hearted musician at rick's cafe fiercely loyal to friend rick he's rick's only link to the past since the two were together in paris as well at times when rick's down or drunk he acts as his caretaker we've kind of talked about this he go he looks out for rick and again while he's heavily featured in the movie his character is kind of underdeveloped a little bit but he's the very entertaining piano player that runs helps run the show and keeps things lively and then he's also the guy kind of helping Rick get up off his feet after he crashes and burns. Same is played by Dooley Wilson. Uh, he was born in Tyler, Texas. Uh, okay. And as a kid, he actually performed in uh, minstrel shows and later became a fixture in the Black Theater in both Chicago and New York, hmm. uh, and Broadway even. He received the nickname Dooley strangely. And this is a, this is a signal of the times because uh, his then signature Irish song, Mr. Dooley, is something he used to perform while wearing white as an Irishman. A very interesting way to get uh your nickname and and keep that, but different times. So you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, Corey, okay, you made it. That is interesting. So who is your Sam?
2: I'm gonna br- I'm gonna bring you a name, and it's a it's a big name. Oh, uh, but uh-oh. it's he's not who he is uh-huh. yet. He is on the up. He's on the up and up. Okay. Um. He's he's done a couple of things that are you know. Um. He has won an Oscar. Crap. Um you're gonna freak out when i say the name um okay i just brought you denzel washington i knew it he's won an oscar for glory but it's kind of the first big thing he's done Uh and then he goes into some spike lee films Mm -hmm. um and then in 91 he's doing um mississippi masala never heard of it i read it wasn't necessarily rated incredible and then ricochet which i've I need to watch because I like any movie where John Lithgow is playing a bad guy, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. like Cliffhanger or Footloose. But uh, it didn't seem, you know, he's he's a year from Malcolm X, mm-hmm. and it's, ah. it's young Denzel, and it's not it's not Denzel, you know, like we know now. It's it's like, hey, Denzel's making some noise. We like this, right?
3: He's like making waves.
4: Okay, okay. So Tanner,
3: it's difficult. I Sam was one of the most difficult for me. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne was on my list, but Boys in the Hood. Naturally, naturally, yeah. Freeman, Morgan Freeman is on the list, but he's far too old to be like close friends. I don't, think, friends with I don't think
4: age is, yeah, I don't think age here is a major issue with this character as long as he's just taking, like has that kind of older brother protective kind of attitude towards it.
1: Yeah.
3: So I brought someone who we, we know and love. Okay. I don't know about his singing voice. I still haven't been able to like find it. Mm-hmm. He is very friendly. He's very like casual. And he you can see him in these moments of like trying to like shelter uh, Rick and trying to like, no, no, I can't do that. I don't I don't know it. Um, Ernie Hudson.
4: OK. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> OK. I All see right. that.
3: Yeah, I see that from. Uh, obviously, we know Ernie Hudson from, from
4: Ghostbusters one and two um from the crow even if Hertney hudson can't sing i bet i bet he can i bet he can sing speak his way through something with all that all that charisma
3: yeah i think like i think he's just got enough charisma and like just general like good nature to him Mm -hmm. that would work for him even if he did just like you know sing speak this isn't congo though is
2: it no no congo would be way later it'd be after Jurassic Park okay so we'll make sure we're not messing with
3: Yeah, this year he's only doing a TV movie called Miss Jones and um, Broken Badges, which I think is a TV show. He also, like, I will say he just came off of Cop Rock.
4: So Cop Rock,
3: Cop Rock. Okay, which if you guys haven't seen Cop Rock,
4: I'm sorry, I know you're saying Cop Rock, but it sounds like something else. Cock Rock.
3: Why should I know what this is? It's incredible. It's a musical adventure of a police force. So it's just a TV series about a singing police force. It's insane and amazing. How do
4: these ideas get pitched? Who who accepts this? I don't know. <laughs> I need to meet them and give them my ideas. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: it's it's the late 80s, early 90s. Cocaine's true, still, like, true. out there Okay, abundance. Okay. The right. okay.
4: Rampant. I get the temptation to drop Denzel here.
2: I feel like there's a butt coming.
4: I had higher aspirations for Denzel, though. No. Why, no?
2: Because for the same reason, he's too good for that.
4: If we're talking about the same thing.
2: Well, I don't think you have him as, like, I don't think you have him as, like, the Italian policeman or the Nazi. Um, <laughs> so <I laughs> I'm just guessing where he lands, but... Um, I mean, maybe, maybe. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the for maybe, maybe.
3: Okay, I see where you're going. Maybe, maybe. All right, but for Sam,
4: yeah, I'm going with Ernie Hudson. I'm just going with my gut. I think he just fits that role. Yeah, I think he just, think he just nails it. He's a guy that's just gonna be like, hey, bud, it's gonna be all right. Yes. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I just recognized something, so I'm very excited about this. Okay, we are moving on to, uh, kind of the big bad of the movie. uh, And we're going to pick, and correct me when I say it wrong, Major Heinrich Strasser. Nailed it.
0: You will forgive my curiosity, Mr. Blaine. The point is, an enemy of the Reich has come to Casablanca, and we are checking up on anybody who can be of any help to us. My interest in whether Victor Laszlo stays or goes is purely a sporting one. In this case, you have no sympathy for the fox, huh? Not particularly. I understand the point of view of the
4: Hound, too. Major Heinrich Strasser. Strasser is a Nazi commander sent to Casablanca to capture Laszlo. Uh, he's a stereotypical Nazi villain, ruthlessly cruel, robotically efficient. That's just who he is. He's he's here to do a job. He's not here for fun and games. He's And he's very much uh, all about the Third Reich and, and getting the job done for uh, his Fuhrer. Uh, Conrad Vike the actor who played him mm-hmm. he was a german actor uh remembered for his roles in uh the cabinet of dr caligari he's the caesar the creepy guy that uh, is in the coffin in that movie uh the man who laughs sure. and after uh, being in german silent films he goes on uh to him and his wife actually who is his jewish wife uh they had to leave and were forced to leave germany after the nazis came to power because he was outspoken against them he wanted to play nazis to help with the uh with the war <laughs> basically he's like i'm gonna play these guys real evil make them look like terrible people yeah. which they
1: are huh
2: i i don't know why i knew that conrad veet played uh the guy in uh, cabinet of dr Cabin caligari dr. caligari and uh and i knew that he was the guy man who laughs i just didn't place him in this movie for some reason i didn't i, I, I never put the connection this is the guy that
3: the joker is based off yeah. this man yeah
4: yeah
2: crap did i cast this right then <laughs> i had all the information
3: in front of me First off, I'm very excited that I won Sam, because I was worried that Corey was going to have the same person, and I wanted to put it in before Corey, because he's tried to get him in before, in previous episodes, but it didn't happen. Okay. I'm bringing you a classic villain. Blonde okay. hair, blue eyes, all handsome. Rutger Hauer. We know him from Hobo with a Shotgun, um... Blade Runner. You should start
4: that always with Blade Runner, <laughs> and maybe Lady Hawk, and then get to and then get to that one. They're right there. That's you, the first it, one. Give me two
3: seconds, and I'll <laughs> say the other ones.
2: He's just an incredible
3: actor, yeah. too. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very on the nose, but I feel like for Nazis, it's a Nazi. I mean, you kind of have to go right a little right on right the nose. Right you can't right. like, yeah. No, that, that that stands up. That stands up. He is in a few things this year. Um, none that I thought were incredibly like. Well, let me special. Look, let me look. Hold on. Um, you're not, you don't know what you're playing with. I can tell you. Okay. I can tell you. Uh, Wedlock, Past Midnight, and Beyond Justice. Uh, he also did this incredible Guinness ad in '91, which I thought was. Incredible. Oh, yeah? Yeah. His, okay. I'll
4: have to look that up.
3: It's fun. Um, it's Guinness Art, uh, 1991. Corey, I
2: did not bring you Rudger Hauer. I won't be mad if he makes it. Yeah. Um, though it's, it might really screw me up later. <sighs> okay. um, the first guy I thought about bringing you was my favorite um, on screen bad guy, German, Alan Rickman, nice. but he is playing the sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I said, you know what? If I can't have Hans Gruber, I'll bring you Hans Gruber's brother, Simon Gruber from Die Hard 3, and I'm bringing you, and I've done it before, Jeremy Irons.
3: That's a good one. You have. It's a solid one. He can play yeah.
2: an incredibly Im- just subtle, scary as crap German villain.
4: Yes. Yes, he can. What's he what doing this year? What is Jeremy Irons up to? Kafka
2: this year. a uh, Franz Kafka, a biopic that was not well received. I'm cool with it going either way, I guess, because uh, I've tried to get Rudger Hauer on, you know. I'll be a little
3: disappointed if yeah. I'm not the one that did it, but... Um, <laughs>
4: It has to be me. Right. Can be no Which one Which is else. why I
3: was so excited. I was like, Corey's been trying so hard and I'm going to be the one to do it. Don't do it. Don't do that to me, Nick. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I'd, I'd say is like, Ruiter Hauer is more the classic personification of Nazi, like blonde hair, blue eyes. like
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah.
3: Straight out the gate.
4: Here's the main question. Have either of them or will they either of them play a Nazi the rest of their careers.
2: Oh, uh, Rudger Hauer we... plays, a, plays a Nazi.
4: When does he play a Nazi? Where?
2: Uh, I believe it's called Beyond Valkyrie, the Dawn of the Fourth Reich. Oh,
4: that uh, that sounds sounds like that's like a, a that's fucking
3: so. hot trash movie.
4: He actually
2: got, he, like, he won something for playing a Nazi. No- it might have been Fatherland in 1994, um, which was a TV movie. Um, I think he played a Nazi. I I, th- I think he actually like, and maybe this is gonna hurt me, but he in ninety-four, just a few years later, I think he plays a Nazi in a TV movie and it's well received, I think he The Jeremy Irons, the closest I think he probably ever gets to the Nazi is Die Hard Three, where he just plays a right, German yeah. villain, uh mm-hmm. where he tries to just create his own army. Um
4: so Okay. I just just playing the scenes quickly in my head, feeling the presence of the two of them. I am gonna go with Jeremy Irons. I just yes. feel like he's what? he's gonna have he he's he's gonna have that scary vibe to him a little bit more. He has the steel gaze to him a bit more I think just in my opinion, and I think that that's it, it, it and there's a very commanding presence about him. They both do they both do okay I just personal take. <laughs> I just think he edges it out. Look, look, you gave me you gave me a pluses here. Okay, one had somebody had to bend. Okay, Uh, so everybody wins for making for
2: making me have to say bad things about Rutger Hauer to just prevent you (laughs) from getting him on this podcast. Screw you for putting me in that position.
3: I also just love Nick, like defending. Statements that we hadn't made. Be like, so this is what I'm thinking. I know, I know. Here we go. Here's what you're thinking. Stop, stop. I'm gonna say this. Wait, this is what I'm wait. saying. Wait, I'm like, that was my favorite part of that.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna add your, I'm adding your precious Ethan Hawk to my resolution list
3: and I'm gonna get him cast in something. Tanner, do you know how much energy it will take you to look up his history and just put effort into thinking about him in a role? The worst part is me going to have to, like, say that he's
2: good for something. That's going right. to be the worst part. Yeah. Oh, Ethan Hawke would be great for this.
4: <laughs> All right. Write <laughs> down Jeremy Irons. We're moving into the you top four it. here. Captain Luis Rodinot.
0: Luis, whatever gave you the impression that I might be interested in helping Laszlo escape?
4: Because, my dear Ricky, I suspect that under that cynical shell,
0: you're at heart a sentimentalist. Oh, laugh if you will, but I happen to be familiar with the record. Let me point out just two items. And got well paid for it on both occasions. The winning
4: side would have paid you much better. He is played by Claude Rains, uh, a supporting antagonist, later protagonist, like Rick. He undergoes this transformation kind of from cynicism to idealism, uh, just less dramatic and a little more humorous. He, he provides levity in the movie. He has the best comedic lines. So Claude Rains was a British actor whose uh, career spanned almost seven decades. Uh, his. Damn. Debut in America was the Invisible Man in 33. Uh, then he went on to be in Adventures of Robin Hood. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The Wolfman. Uh, Notorious. Lawrence of Arabia. And uh, the greatest story ever told in 65. So pretty prominent career. Pretty okay. long lasting career. So Corey. Who is our fun loving captain?
2: Okay. So the f- I mean when I was watching this. The first name I wrote down was Raul Julia. Nice. Yes. Um but I adore Adam's family. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, that, I saw that name on it. Oh, but no, oh man.
2: So, and again, I'm glad you brought up that it's a very kind of, it's probably the most comedic role it has. There's a so line, it's like but it is the a comedic. Distinct, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, the, it's the distinguished corrupt officer yes. who's also weirdly kind of the comedic right. relief through and the, the levity of, of a heavy mm-hmm. movie. So I went with, exactly a guy who is distinguished but can can hit the hit the comedy beats with the best of them I'm bringing you Tim Curry Tim mm.
1: Curry Tim
2: Curry is a master of accents so I believe he can give us whatever accent we tell him mm-hmm. this year he's doing a very small role in a Sylvester Stallone comedy movie called Oscar um, and doing voice work
4: always always voice work yeah
2: yep oh my gosh if you ever try to go through tim curry's imdb it takes like 20 minutes yeah, to even get down to the it's 90s. Uh, it's a struggle so, long. <laughs> so just keep that in mind nick that i had to do real work just to get to 91 to see what tim curry was doing you had to scroll a
4: little harder move your fingers a little longer i did
2: and he is he is coming off playing essentially pennywise the clown in
4: okay um, oh wow and when is spurn gully <laughs>
2: 92 in 92. Okay. <laughs> so again, we're just yeah. bridging the gaps here, you know, and he'll be okay. hey, he's the okay. and he's the bad guy in Home Alone 2.
4: Man, so, yeah. In 92. Yeah. Yep. So Okay.
2: Just saying okay. we're adding to okay. his run here.
4: Okay. Tanner. Okay, Donkey.
2: I'm going to need you
3: to take a walk.
2: <laughs> I love it. This is always when Tanner shoots himself in the foot when he's going to walk with
3: him. Oh god. Okay. I'm bringing you a guy who in all intents and purposes is perfect for this role. If n- for nothing else, he's born in Casablanca. <laughs> he grew up in France. Oh, my God. What,
4: what deep diving <laughs> did you do?
3: I literally I just stumbled upon this guy and I was, started reading his bio and I was like, okay, that's it. That's all. That's all I need. This is it.
4: Do we know who this person is?
3: Yes. You, you okay. know him. He's, <laughs> okay. I mean, he's definitely less known. Uh, than tim curry he's backtracking okay. he's but backtracking uh-huh. you're gonna know him from leon the professional jean renault
1: oh, okay oh
3: no uh, he's not leon yet that's in 94 so yeah. we're, you know he's coming up to it you know he's got chops he's got presents he's got all these things this is where you need to take a walk okay in 2006 he does a movie called the pink panther
4: oh, i've seen it
3: <laughs> the movie itself is not great it's yeah I fell asleep. This is where you see him do comedy and start trying to be funny, but still like, he's still like a cop, you know, he's still like, yeah, authority, but brings levity to that scene. And like, you know, so he, he can have fun, but be, you know, uh, strict and the authority when he needs to be. And I thought he just checked all those boxes. Clean cut. Only name I wrote down. I just don't know why we
2: had to take a walk to. (laughs) panther in 2006 when he made operation corned beef in 1991 we could have stayed right where we
3: were to discuss his comedy chops this is the first time i've ever seen it and i'm like i have no fucking clue what this movie is but if you guys know it I just know how to read and look at pictures,
2: and it looks incredible. It's called Operation Corned Beef. Yeah,
3: but Nick doesn't have that visual knowledge. He's going to have seen the Pink
2: Panther. (laughs) He's cracking up at just hearing Operation Corned Beef. I'm just saying, I think the walk to Pink Panther
3: wasn't necessary. The walk to Pink Panther was necessary because that's where Nick would have had steak. I'm just saying, do we want to
2: mess with Operation Corned Beef? (laughs) What? No.
3: (laughs) No, bullshit. Take him out of Corned Beef and put him in a comedy role in another movie called Casablanca. (laughs) I'm just
2: saying. All right. But I actually, when you said Jean Reno, for some reason, I always... I don't know what I've seen him in, but I, I, I recognize him as having comedy chops.
3: Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. I think like... it's a
2: solid one. I mean, I think we're not screwing with Operation Corn Beef by going with this just as safe right. Tim Curry, but I, I don't have to live with it, Nick. You do. I mean, so you just you
4: just choose however you want. It's strange how they're both fitting, but they're so different,
2: I, isn't it? That's, that's actually so. really incredibly weird. That they're not even close to the same guy, but they both work.
3: But only one of them is born for this role, Nick.
2: That's stupid, Nick. That's not a
3: reason to cast. You didn't know until this moment. Okay, all right, all right,
4: okay. Let's break this, Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Let's break it down. Tim Curry, he leans on the acting side, ac- uh, the comedy side of this. He's going to nail all the lines. He's going to have the charisma. He's going to and that's kind of what happened is that is that this character, this actor, like kind of just put color into this black and white movie. You know,
2: can I say something before you pick?
4: Yes, go ahead.
2: I'm just I I I, I just want it to be said that I think Tanner might have got it right. I don't know if that helps you or hurts you, but I think he might have got it right.
4: That's where I think I'm leaning, because Tim Curry is is right. right Had Tanner picked anybody else, I don't know who else he would have picked. Like even just if you just said Jean Reno without saying it, I would have said there went. That's that's the dude. That's literally. That's it's the like guy. someone said. I need to create this person in real life, and there he is. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. Put Jean, put Jean where he belongs. Yes.
3: Yes. Research wins again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just
2: wanted you to pick him for the right reasons and not because Tanner was. On some stupid novelty yeah. where no, he was no, no, born. No. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's all. Yeah. That's. Okay. I just wanted. So I was willing to say I think Tanner got it right.
4: Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. From
2: the character, not because of
4: some. Yes. It's just backstory. icing on the cake when we put this out for right. press and media. They're going to be like, oh, right. he was born in Casablanca. Oh
3: wow. Oh, it's gonna. This movie's gonna do gangbusters. Write it down. In Morocco.
4: Moving on. Victor Laszlo. It's his time. It's it. time to shine. Talk.
3: You will give us the names if I didn't give them to you in
0: a concentration camp where you had more persuasive methods at your disposal. I certainly won't give them to you now. And what if you track down these men and kill them? What if you murdered all of us? From every corner of Europe, hundreds, thousands would rise to take our places.
4: Even Nazis can't kill that fast. That's right. That's the name of the game, Tanner. Okay, Victor Laszlo, the, the leader go. of a rebellious group who supports the resistance movement and wants to fight back against the Nazis because who doesn't want to fight Nazis? Uh, he is a devoted husband and is willing to sacrifice himself to ensure her safety. And as we talked about, Paul Heinrich, uh he was an Austrian-British-American actor, uh, director, producer, and writer, as well as a fervent anti-fascist activist who had fled Nazi-occupied countries during world war ii he was loaned to warner brothers uh he was concerned about playing the secondary character and that it would ruin his career as a romantic lead but here we are here tanner victor laszlo okay
3: this one laszlo was the most difficult for me easily the most difficult person to cast so because he's got to be like the perfect husband the fighter for justice you look at him and you go that makes sense i can see him either fighting his way out digging his way out like However it is, he's doing it. I get it. Yeah. So I brought someone who is, as we have seen time and time again, a fighter for justice in his characters. Uh, we've seen him fight aliens. We've seen him fight dinosaurs. He's a sex symbol for the sexy and the hairy. And his name is Jeff Goldblum.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I figured that out about halfway through your monologue. But yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I got it. I just think. This is this is you know a couple years before, um. Really, we park get his like pop off with like you know Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. He's transitioning to this like leading guy and eventually this like odd sex symbol, you know, or most of the time more and more so now. You know, playing the nice guy, playing the guy, the understanding guy. You know, and I think if you put him in a suit, um. And you know, telling you know, you're confident. You've escaped concentration camps. Like fuck these guys. I think he can bring that energy, and really pop that off, and as well be that perfect like understanding husband. Okay, that we get, yeah, and friend.
4: Yeah, I'm seeing the, the, what I'm thinking of is him, less you know? Jurassic Park one and more of Lost World Jeff Goldblum because those two characters are very different. Actually, he's much more. A little serious, a little more, uh, a little less Jeff Goldblum, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's definitely not what I was expecting, but I'm gonna let it simmer. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it process, marinate. Corey, what do you have to counter?
2: Okay. I've I had two guys, um, um, and one was I thought too young, um, or I was afraid was too young, so I, I got a different guy. My, my 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 original choice was Alan Cumming, mm. um, but he'd be he was twenty six yeah. in nineteen ninety one. I'm bringing you a guy, and I'm going to possibly crap on something important, but I've never seen it, and I know that it's kind of uh, you know, it's Oliver Stone, but it's three hours long and it does, it's not rated well. I don't think it was super well mm-hmm. received. Um, JF JFK. Okay. Um. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mess with it. I'm bringing you Gary Oldman. Sure. Uh, in his thirties, uh, in 1991, he is playing Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. Um, and uh, he was also in uh a movie that I guess was on TV because it has no plot even listed yeah. called Dylan Thomas. <laughs> like no plot even. It's like IMDb doesn't even think the movie exists. Hmm. But yeah, Gary Oldman, I, just for all the reasons we know about Gary Oldman, he's just a very prolific actor, essentially can shed his skin and become anyone. Um, and I think he'd just nail it, especially Victor Lazlo is kind of a pretty big character mm-hmm. at times. And that's just kind of Gary. Oldman. So with
4: Gary Oldman, yes, he normally plays a villain. He's he's very much a serious actor's actor kind of character. Mm-hmm. I think when when you're thinking of putting him in the role, like you're going to get him to pull out some of that uh, Commissioner Gordon to him, like the the just intrinsically good individual that's been through like hell and back, but has still stayed like the same true like shining uh, example that he needs to be for his people and the resistance and stuff. Yeah, I'm having a harder sell with Goldblum. I'm but I'm seeing what you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. it's hard to remove our 2022 vision of Jeff Goldblum that's on Disney Plus telling us about the world is great. Like he's basically right. Bill Nye at this point. Yeah. But in, in the late 80s and early 90s, he's very much. Yeah, he's 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 going for charismatic leading man type. I'm just in a weird place because
2: I don't know how to fight this because
3: I feel like that's how I am. as I don't, well. I don't
2: know how to argue it because I I I honestly is. I, I I don't know. I actually just don't see Jeff Goldblum
4: it's 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 kind of that that situation we run into a lot where it's like both actors are kind of portraying different aspects of the character and neither one's like fully completely like saying like yeah this is like on the note like pretty much on the like on the dot like what you're looking for okay so an important stare down is going to be between jeremy irons strasser Mm. and the victor laszlo 'Cause they're gonna meet, they're gonna talk shit to each other. And that's that's a lot of the real kind of thing there. Yeah,
2: this is this is the part where I, I'm just gonna risk it, even though this is usually the person Nick turns on, and just remind him it's not a real time machine and we're not really doing anything bad. You know, there's not a real wrong answer.
4: Okay. No, it's it's He almost said <laughs> it. He almost said it and then he freaked out. It's Gary Oldman. It's Gary Oldman. Yes!
2: Oh, it damn feels it. better winning that one.
4: <laughs> the, the thing that it came down to was picturing them against Jeremy Irons and Jean Reno. Because those two are going to be some important interactions they have. I think I really just want that an earnestness and a, a little bit of a seriousness that I... I know I'm going to get out of Gary Oldman. Um, I'm not saying Goldblum can't do it. But sure. I feel like when you've got some very colorful personality of Jean Reno... And then you've got this very like steel. You have to be able to have someone that's able to play both of those. Yeah. And I feel like with John, with you know, it's going to be Jeff Goldman's going to feel the need to kind of like riff with him a little bit, but then mm. uh, turn around and have to like steel gaze with Jeremy Irons and stand up to him, especially in the band scene. I yeah. think that is. Oh, it's, I got to pull up. Like, I think that's just where it stands. Oh, God,
3: out Okay. The most to me, my, so. my. My Lund is gonna seem go so you... weird now. I'm just curious how Tanner's cast now depended on
1: Goldbloom.
2: It,
3: it's not it's not pivotal on Goldbloom, but <laughs> they do
4: not work very well <laughs> with Okay. Move well, forward. Move forward
2: with Oldman. Old okay. All right, All
4: right. So, up next. Go ahead. Uh, I- Isla? Isla? Ilsa. Ilsa Ilsa Lund. Ilsa Lund. 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 Ilsa Lund.
0: There's so much at stake. All you can think of is your own feeling. One woman has hurt you, and you take your revenge on the rest of the world. You're a, you're a coward and weakly. No. no I'm sorry, but, but you, you are our last hope. If you don't help us, Victor Laszlo, will die in
4: Casablanca. What happened? Victor Laszlo's wife and Rick's former lover. In Paris, she had fallen in love with Rick just because at the time she thought Laszlo was dead when she finds out Laszlo is still alive, she sent a note to Rick at the station saying she could never see him again. You know, despite her commitment to her husband and her love to Rick, she rarely kind of displays that much passion being very much this kind of femme fatale character. Mm-hmm. Ingrid Bergman was the actress that played her. She's a Swedish actress, uh, starred in a lot of European and American films, TV movies plays. Uh Another long five decade career. Uh, she, uh, is often regarded as one of the most influential screen figures in cinematic history. She won three Academy Awards, two Primetime Emmys, a Tony, four Golden Globes, and a BAFTA. She's one yeah. of only three actresses to have received three Acting Academy Awards. Only Katherine Hefburn has four. Hmm. No pressure. No pressure. No but pressure. Court, you're up.
2: That's fine. I don't mind going first on this one. This was, this was by far the hardest yeah. one for me. And that's mainly because I thought this was a character that really did need or be from Europe, you know, somewhere. Like, I, I, And I'm just not really versed on uh, foreign actors of the early mm-hmm. 90s. Right, yeah. So I immediately went to Mia Jovovich, who was only 16. No, thank you. Kylie Minogue was only 20. Um, and Vanessa Paradis was only 19. So... I'm just going with an actress from America who I think could at least play French, but I am going to destroy something.
1: Okay. Nice. Love.
2: I don't, but I'm, I'm at least going to throw this out there. Cause I, am also, I'm also not going to be afraid to destroy things this year. Guys on quantum recast. I'm bringing you Gina Davis right. and I'm pulling her straight out of Thelma and Louise. Whoa. Okay. in all fairness i think that susan Sarandon's more important to Thelma and louise and also i just did not i watched Thelma and louise like two years ago and just for the first time ever and did not enjoy it it was a way heavier film that i anticipated yeah. okay that so i'm bringing gina hey. davis who i just yeah. think
4: big big can point that big name actress yeah has the acting chops yeah Mm -hmm. so i i get it i get it the Thelma and louise thing i think that that's gonna that's that's you're messing with time there my friend yeah i am tanner i am
3: who you got oh god okay so i'm i brought someone who at this time she's very prominent being the um the love interest she's very prominent oddly enough especially with like richard gear i think she had like on the movies with him in the in this era, and she has this femme fatale vibe to her in a in a lot of the movies and photos that you see, but still has the chops. And I'm bringing you Kim Basinger. Okay, she's all over the place at the time. She also brings in the '90s. Her love interests a lot of times are more like sexy. Uh, to the 90s they really tried to ramp that up with her leave or take you could you know give it more sex appeal if you want i don't think it needs to be there but we know from la confidential she did batman 89 you know two years before this so she's still pretty on a hot roll right now this year she's doing the marrying man which i've never heard of didn't seem like anything super important so that's who that's who i brought
4: yeah okay you both kind of Leaned into that. They they both have that kind of old Hollywood look to them. Like yeah. they're both these tall, long, elegant women. Yeah, uh, with with acting credibility, obviously.
2: We brought you 1991 sexiest women. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did.
4: Yeah, yeah. you it you it Nick. Here you go.
2: But they do. They have a very classic Hollywood look. I think that's where Tanner and I both landed. It's like they both look like they could be in a 1940s noir film as the girl knocking on the detective's and, and you know. Kim-
4: kim uh has is definitely she she's she's kind of has just her a lot of her biggest roles are as these femme fatale types like kind of throwback whether it's batman 89 or la confidential yeah um and like Gina has like some her, roles like, that are, yeah like, Gina has some roles that are similar to that but she branched out a lot more with Things like the long um, kiss, goodnight I'm just,
2: and- uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna throw it back in Tanner's face, um, knowing full well that I also have to answer for something. Um, Gina Davis is coming off of an Oscar. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that I pretty much casted everyone who's won Oscars in the last wow. three years. Uh, but by pulling her out of Thelma and Louise, I'm taking yeah. a Oscar nomination from mm. her. Um, but there's a good chance she's getting nominated for Casablanca
3: and winning. And wouldn't you love to see that Oscar go to Kim Basinger? She, she gets one in 98. She's fine.
4: So she gets one for LA Confidential and Gina yeah. Davis. Does Gina Davis get one? For she just got one? Yeah, yeah. an accidental yeah. tourist okay. in
2: 89. Yeah, yeah she just, no, got, she one. just okay. got one.
4: No, she just got one. I don't really want that to matter in this casting. Um, and basically what it comes down to, two degree. One of the factors is like, okay, do you pull Kim Basinger out of this Alec Baldwin forgettable movie or do you Whoa. strike or do Whoa. You... Hold on.
2: <laughs> it's a Neil Simon movie oh, yeah. and uh, let's go ahead and go past Alec Baldwin. Tanner's keeping some stuff from you, Nick. Uh, this also has Robert Loggia, okay. Elizabeth Shue, Paul Reiser. This is an all-star cast.
3: You're taking that... a woman's Oscar nom away. <laughs> You can't. She's already got one. You, you can't say I'm taking any taking shit away from her. You're I'm taking an Oscar
2: nom. Tanner wasn't forthcoming with how great this cast is in *Marrying Man*. Just, it's just, do you want do you want to go to bed tonight knowing you set Thelma and Louise on fire that you destroyed something beautiful, Nick?
4: All right, I've taken too long on this, so I'm just going to go with what my my brain is pushing me towards. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going to play a fire and I'm going to pull Gina Davis out of Thelma and Louise and put her in my. Wow. All right. That's fine. I can deal with Gina Davis.
3: Oh. She still works with, she still works with my way.
2: I look forward to the controversy of,
3: Oh, Corey, we haven't even gotten to controversy yet.
4: I just think she, she just has, she just, it just fits in my brain more. Like I'm, I'm looking through scenes and I'm thinking through everything and I'm seeing the interactions and stuff. And oh, okay she, she just fits in my brain better yeah yeah. that's who I'm going with Gina Davis so let's wrap this thing up write it down All right. and we're going to finish this thing off with Rick Blaine I'm,
0: this to make me call. I'm saying it because it's true inside of us we both know you belong with Victor you're part of his work the thing that keeps him going if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him you'll regret it maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of your life but what about us
4: You'll always have Paris. He is the owner of Rick's Cafe and the main protagonist. When we first meet him, he's a jaded bar owner. He's neutral about Nazis and refuses to put himself at risk for anybody. After Ilsa enters the picture, he undergoes a change, overcomes his cynicism, his apathy, all that stuff, decides to help her and Laszlo, and then teams up uh, with Captain Renault, uh, helps, helps with the Allies uh, fight World War II. We know. Uh, he, like we said, he's played by Humphrey go Bogart American film and stage actor, classical Hollywood, uh, icon of that time. And uh, yeah, that's what's on the table. So you have all the players except one. So, Corey, you've destroyed Thelman Luis. Nice. What will you do next?
2: Okay. So, again, I'm not a huge Humphrey Bogart fan, which isn't saying anything necessarily about the actor I'm about to bring you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I. Do think that this actor is a little boring in a lot of roles? Um, kind of maybe a modern day Humphrey Bogart. I'm going to bring you one, Harrison Ford. Oh, wow. as Rick Blaine in 1991. I
4: kind of anticipated it. I think, yeah,
2: I think that Harrison Ford can play a pretty cynical asshole that can really yeah. hold a grudge yeah. in a, against a woman. But at the same time, he can get to that place of rede- yeah. redemption mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the end. You know, Harrison Ford's a mm-hmm. hard, calloused man that lets us in right. every once right. in a while. Yeah, yeah, I you get know what it. I'm I saying. See it. Yeah, I definitely see like, it. When I was watching it, I was like, I think Harrison Ford's my guy. It's early '90s. He's not old man he's Harrison. Post, he's post Ford Indy at this point. So.
4: so he's trying to find his. Yeah, he's trying to find his he's footing post-Indy. in the '90s, and it's like, isn't he doing regarding Henry this year? Yeah. Yes. Yes, okay. this is regarding gotcha, Henry. Good. Yeah, no, that's a, strong, that's a strong choice. I think, I think that that's it's a nail on the head, pretty mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, hard to argue with. Well, so I will argue it. Um, oh, okay. All right. All right <laughs> okay, okay. I think
3: <laughs> this guy, first off, 1991, there's only a few guys at this time that you're going to get that are a bigger draw. He, he's done a similar role even just a couple of years before this. Um, yeah. you know, where he plays like kind of a brooding, what's the word I'm looking for? Nihilistic, like uh guy who finds a heart for, you know, a woman. So I'm gonna bring you a guy and I'm gonna take him out of possibly one of the most controversial takeouts that we've ever had on this podcast. Um Hello? I'm gonna burn it down to the ground. Ooh. It's a it's a classic, but I think this is also the moment in his career where it's like. one of his last staples. And then kind of after this, he kind of just like starts disappearing, has one movie about five years later. This is where Patrick Swayze starts to dive. I knew it. I'm taking him. I'm taking him out of it. I'm taking him out of Point Break. No! I'm not sorry about it. I love Patrick Swayze. I love Point Break. But Point Break is the moment in his career where it's like the last few years. Right. He's he's really started like going down this path of like, you know, almost more noir type characters, you know, like Roadhouse. You see it next of kin in 89 Ghost point break is where he kind of goes against everything that he just built back Mm -hmm. to this like surfer dude and kills all this momentum. And so I want to put him in here. I want to keep that trajectory going, carry that through the rest of his career. So cause the next thing after this is really to Wong Fu. And that's it. But I think you put him in there, he is a box office smash. He's selling he's selling tickets. Butts are in seats. It's the biggest name of the year. Yeah, but our butts are in the point break seats. Well, there's no point break. We're already there. Yeah, you just take all of those point break butts, put them in Casablanca butts. <laughs> Like Do the it's butts an easy transfer, transfer.
4: <laughs> equally, or is there a?
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a transactional. You know, uh, oh, okay, okay. someone yeah, takes course, a little bit of course.
4: taxation. You know,
3: yeah, about, yeah, yeah. All
4: right, let me just make this quick and painless for all of us, real quick. Um,
2: oh, I think Tanner already did that for
4: us. Wow. <laughs> okay, so Tanner, I see the argument you're making. It's a, I, I get what you're saying because it's true. It's mm-hmm. sad that his career just takes a nosedive after this. Yeah, but to try to take him out of Point Break. Mm-hmm. I could take Gina Davis out of Thelma and Louise because we we've dissected the movie and said it's not as great as the legacy maybe that it upholds. Sure. Point Break gets better the longer we sit on it. Look, Point Break is one of my favorites. To take one of his iconic roles away from him. It's just he's so perfect in Point Break. So I I can't quite get pull the trigger on that. And at the same time, while Harrison Ford is very much a modern day Humphrey Bogart, as I was sitting there thinking about it, the problem with putting him here right here, right now, is it is right after Indiana Jones. And this is mm-hmm. a period piece set at World War II. So people are gonna watch it and just think, is this another Indiana Jones movie? Yeah, it's not Indiana Jones Morocco. But it's it's just it's just an extended like version of it, really. It's just like it's the same universe, essentially, to a degree. Like mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to do. I threatened it earlier, and and I think Corey's going to hate me for it.
2: Denzel is too amazing for such a boring, but bland let me, role. But let me, I hate you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I hate you, but go ahead.
4: Why would you put, say no to putting a better actor in a role to make it better, the performance better? In a more I in, in a, because a, the character's flat the character might be flat, but Denzel, but Denzel's gonna that's because Humphrey Vogart's flat. you give an actor a script and they they can make gold out of it or they can make shit out of it it's just it, it it's a thing you know that's what I'm doing I'm throwing the override in I want Denzel right there. I think he's gonna be great I think he's he's got a, a suaveness to him, but he also can pull off the cold demeanor and, and, and cynicism a bit. And then bring back the heart of gold at the end. That's my viewpoint on it. <sighs> hate me all you want. Here, okay. I hate both
2: of you. I could, I could not be more mad at either of you <sighs> right now. First of yeah. all, Tanner, you don't, don't crap on Point Break. It's Tu it, Wong Fu is the movie where you go. Why didn't he get more work? Yeah, after that's what this? I said. I that's no that's what I'm saying though is that like he had a better movie point like post point break I don't think point break was a regression I think he kept progressing until Tu Wong Fu and then for some reason whether it was controversial to play a drag queen or if he just felt like he had to go back to stupid things like black dog that's the problem and then I here's what I think we're losing with Denzel Is that I think that there is a real heart in having the interracial friendship between Sam and Rick in occupied German, like, you know, or, you know, occupied World War Two is that there's like this great, like kind of, you know, progressive, uh, you know, especially for even the 40s. Then, you know, I get it's the 90s and and everything that we're working in, but you lose something with that interracial Mm -hmm. friendship. And now we just have uh, two black guys. That maybe we're not getting that that yeah. that heart there, yeah. if that makes sense. So that's the only thing I feel Ooh. like we're that's really fair.
4: losing. That's fair. Yeah, that's just how I feel. I I get it. I get what you're saying. I I do get that <sighs> argument, Corey. But I'm sticking to my guns. That's what I'm going with. Let's wrap this up. So let let me get that let me get that uh, final list there, Tanner. If you'll write it down. Yeah. And I will read off the rundown of Casablanca, 1991. So, for Ugarte, we've got John Waters. For Signor Ferrari, we have Joe Pesci. Sam, we have a likable uh, Ernie Hudson. Mm -hmm. For Major Heinrich Strasser, a cold and chilling Jeremy Irons. For Captain Luis Renault, we have Casablanca's own Jean Renault. For Victor Laszlo, taking a face turn, thanks to Corey. Gary Oldman. For Isla Lund? Ilsa. Uh, Ilsa. Isla. You're, you're Ilsa. putting the S in front of the L. It's Ilsa. Okay. For Ilsa Lund, we have Gina Davis pulling her out of Thelma and Luis controversially. <laughs> and to wrap it all up, <laughs> we have no, we don't have Patrick Swayze there, Tanner. We have... It's on the list.
3: Nick, you have to read what's on the list. Denzel
4: Washington, Rick Blaine. That wraps it up, and that's Casablanca 91.
2: What an amazing cast until we get to the very end. Uh oh, man. <laughs>
3: I just like, oh
2: god. If we laid you I just think of such it. a beautiful groundwork. I would have taken Swayze <laughs> out of point break before I would have put Denzel here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: That's sacrilege. What
2: why do you why? Why? I, do, I I'm furious. <laughs> To <laughs> to think that we almost <laughs> killed Point Break. I'm a little proud that we are starting this year off willing to destroy our darlings. I'm at least, I, on that level, I'm proud. I do like that Tanner brought up that, like, Patrick kind of had this noir thing going for him in the late 80s. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I kind of thought there is a truth to that, that kind of was like that, okay, his his pick is getting sexier for me, but it's Point Break
3: you know yeah so hey i'm again it's also just a fun fun thought process to go like he's the guy who gets the girl mm-hmm. for his entire career mm-hmm. and then if you put him here up until the very end you're like he's getting the girl and then like patrick swayze says get on that plane i don't know maybe i
4: played it well, but i ruined, ruined all plan. of it didn't you I? did and and we, g- she, we gave you
2: such a beautiful foundation to build your house on and you i oh.
4: i, I I like this cast.
2: I
3: like the cast. I the, like cast the cast is great. Denzel is great. I'm not in other no. roles. <laughs> I mean, I can't. But yeah. I, I get
2: yeah, it. I get, 100% I, I get, get it. it. I just don't like it. That's just, it's It's yeah. one of those weird paradoxes where it's like, yeah, everything Nick says makes sense, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played it too safe with Harrison Ford. I d- I did I get it. It's the character is already Han Solo. I gave Casablanca's Tan Nick. <laughs>
1: wow.
4: All right. Well, that I, I we're done here. So what's what's next? I don't know what who's next. Probably Tanner. Tanner's um,
1: probably
2: gonna pick something stupid. Might as well put a chair. It in, is me. Put next. a chair on top I'm of this next.
1: crap
3: Sunday. <laughs> okay. It is my turn, um, and I'm gonna try to prove you wrong. But I don't know, because we'll see what you think about the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, I've never seen it. We're going to take it to
4: 1969.
2: Whoa. Oh. This is the furthest we've That's ever gone further back. further
4: than we've ever gone before. Yeah. Oh, God. Can the time machine <laughs> handle that? Can I
2: handle Doesn't that? I was about to say that. I'm going to have to brush up on some uh, some 60s actors.
3: Yeah, I'm going to have to do some... Do some research, do some watching, do some brushing up, because we're going oh, God. to
4: sixty nine, baby, just in time for Valentine's. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: okay, that's sweet. All right, well, we'll we'll see if Nick cannot ruin sleepless in Seattle. Good luck. We hope you enjoyed um, our recasting of Casablanca in nineteen ninety. One. And so um, if you enjoyed that, please, by all means, give us the five stars in review. If you're on Apple or hit the heart button on Spotify, just tell the machine you love us. Um, that's that's your real goal. Um, and so hope you hope you enjoyed that more than I did um i'm i'm gonna go cry myself to sleep a little bit um i'm probably gonna go vent usually when something like this happens i go vent to my wife that has no cause she's like i've not seen this i don't know who you're talking about i don't know who who the actors are (laughs) but she's like you you get it out of your system babe but i'm like thank you well nick did nick's an idiot (laughs) and so it's like she's just like okay all right sure so join us next episode is we take sleepless in Seattle all the way back to 1969. Tune in to see if me and Nick can even handle a 60, a 1969 cast. A 69 (laughs) 69. Uh, and then, um, that's where you put the clip of Bill and Ted just shouting 69 right there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, join us. And we're going to, we're going to, um, make your Valentine's day more special with a 69 cast. Um, (laughs) the breath is what (laughs) sold it the breath was so alright well thank you for listening say goodbye Nick goodbye Nick